0: Please join Paul and his guests as they ask the ever-important question, Is it Jaws?
1: Any interference with this spaceship will be regarded as an act of war. If our Singapore tracking station is correct about the rocket not landing in Russia, then where did it land? This is the big one, 007. Good evening. We assume it's Japan. Welcome to Japan, Mr. Bond. And how do you like our country so far? Well, at least he died on the job. He'd have wanted it this way. Rubbish. Bond is alive. Request permission to come aboard, sir. Are the Japanese equipped to launch such a rocket? That's what you've got to find out and fast. I am a trifle disappointed at the ease with which I could pull you in. him. Get, Get down! I never take any risks. I think you are taking one now. I am. This damn thing could blow up into a full scale war. I think I will enjoy very much serving under you. For a European, you are exceptionally cultivated. You will see that my piranha fish get very hungry. They can strip a man to the bone in 30 seconds. Bon appétit. I've got you now. Well, enjoy yourself. James Bond, allow me to introduce myself. I am Ernst Stavro Blofeld. They told me you were assassinated in Hong Kong. Yes, this is my second life. You only lived twice, Mr. Bond. Things I do for England. This is it, gentlemen. All we can do now is wait and pray. Kill Bond, now! You have a lot of energy for a dead man, Mr. (laughs) Bond.
2: Hello, everybody, and welcome to Is It Yours? Today, we are continuing our look at the James Bond franchise with the fifth entry, You Only Live Twice. And once again, is my MI6 consultant, Mr. David Pasquarella.
3: Hey, great to be here again.
2: Good to have you again, Dave. How's everything? Oh, good.
3: No, I much mentioned. New. Oh,
2: go ahead. I'm sorry. <laughs> go ahead. No, nope, not much news. Yeah. <laughs> <time>. <laughs> these these may be separated by weeks and weeks and weeks when they get posted, but they're not that separated in the recording. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, now, so we're looking at you only live twice, and uh, this one I think I mentioned before. The first Bond movie I saw in the movies was Diamonds Are Forever with my mom and dad. You know, I was, I I don't know what, I was nine, something around there. And that was a a new film at the time. And then sometime within a couple of weeks after that, I went with my two brothers and we saw a double feature of Thunderball and You Only Live Twice.
3: Oh, that's nice. Don't you miss that?
2: Oh, absolutely. I do. So, but I saw my Bond indoctrination was probably all within the course of a couple of months that I saw Goldfinger on TV Diamonds are Forever in the movie theater, and then you only live twice in Thunderball in the movie theater. So, wow. this one I feel like we're really, absolutely into the Bond formula now. Oh, 100%. percent. How did you? I'm guessing you first saw this on a DVD or a VCR tape uh, in the in the 80s.
3: I think this was a movie of the the week, you know, like an ABC or mm-hmm. uh, and where they used to do the Sunday night movie. Sure. I'm almost positive that was it.
2: And you start off, you know, just, just kind of going through things a little bit. The I, I don't think I want to give the written synopsis out because this is one that I kind of felt it went with my, my theory of just kind of go along for the ride and don't get too bogged down with the facts. But this one, as you're watching it, you never feel like you're lost. You kind of feel like, oh, OK, I get what's going on. At least you think that, you know, when you when you start. Putting it to greater scrutiny, you might feel like, but why are they there? Uh, <laughs> but I think on, as a general rule, I think this one kind of feels like it flows well. Yes, yes.
3: It's not so, a complicated plot at all.
2: Yeah, and I, but I think the plot as written out on Wikipedia starts to get complicated. But really, in a nutshell, it's we start off that Bond effectively fakes his death to throw people who – are now after him off of his trail to think he's dead. Uh, Blofeld Inspector, have this plot where they're uh, kidnapping uh, United States and Soviet spacecrafts and making them think that the other one did it, and they're creating tr- terror and uh, extortion and all sorts of things going on. Uh, and they're doing so from a base out of Japan. Correct. That's really it in a nutshell. That's it. So, you know, we have some moments here uh I the, the you know, we open up with the uh, the abduction of the spacecraft and that feels to me like I mean, I know this is beforehand, but the way it was uh aped or or uh, parodied, it feels like it's out of Austin Powers to me. <laughs>
3: yeah. Yeah. The whole look of the uh, kidnapping craft and with everything. the music
2: playing and everything while it's going on. But I seem to remember being just totally like, you know, my mouth wide open and it, with wonder as this was going on when I first saw it. Oh, and that's what sucked me in as a kid. The whole
3: spacecraft thing? Yeah, or... yeah the whole spacecraft thing.
2: I, and I also about this movie, I mean, I did love the, the mix with the... Uh, the Asian culture uh, as, as they saw fit to give it to us in this one, you know, looking back on it, it's not so accurate about a lot of things. Uh, You know, we have in Japan, men always come first, (laughs) you know, things like that. That are just, you know, maybe it's true to some aspects of their culture, or maybe it was true in 1968 to some aspects of their culture, but, uh, or 67 rather, but I'm really not so sure that it's as accurate as the way they show it. They make it seem like we're still, you know, in the in the early 1900s effectively
3: uh, well you got to you got to realize most women in Japan they really didn't have too much to say until 1945 you know mm-hmm. you couldn't own property you couldn't determine who you were going to marry if you didn't have a husband you know you didn't have much to say they had contract marriages and things and the only reason that all ended was because Douglas MacArthur arrived on the scene and took over. So I, but I'm sure it wasn't quite like uh, Tanaka claimed. I, I
2: think this is almost like a misogynist inspired fantasy the way it's presented here. And maybe that's me looking through, at it through 2020 eyes. Yeah. Or maybe well, it's, it was reality then as well.
3: Well, that whole that whole scene, my, my question is, are all those women on the government's dime?
2: It would, it would seem so.
3: Right, because it seems like this is, you know, like uh, government housing type of thing.
2: So, uh, you know, when they first start talking about the uh, – I'm trying to remember when he says it because I just have some notes. Uh, I think it's in the, right in the beginning before he fakes his death when when Bond is speaking to the Asian woman at the beginning – and he said, you forget, I took a first in Oriental Languages at Cambridge. And he's, he's you know, he's totally, uh, you know, he's bilingual, or I'm sure it's more than just bilingual. Uh, but, and it's not even just in Japanese, it's in Oriental Languages. Right, right. So that means, you know, you bring him to China, you bring him to Korea, you bring him any other Asian country, and he's fine. He'll just communicate with no problem. And on the one hand, that's you know, you want to believe that James Bond could do virtually anything. On the other hand, I don't know if you want to have them say it that way. You just want to have them come out and do things.
3: Right. Well, I don't see what the point is, since everyone speaks English, apparently.
2: And so we, we go to the uh, sumo wrestling match, which is weird to me. I don't know. Uh, just the way they show it. it first of all, all I, I don't know if it's reality or not, but they, they were they didn't have seats in the arena. They were all sitting on cushions.
3: I I would guess that that's probably the way at least it was.
2: At one time, I would think. I don't know. You know again, um, I don't know about 1967, but uh, it just that struck me as strange watching that. Uh, and just the, the sumo matches in general. I don't know how accurate or inaccurate that was when they showed it, but it just looked like something where it was like, okay, I don't get this.
3: well so What does it seem like, that you have to push the other guy out of the circle to win? That's what it feels like. Right? Okay. I, that's what I got.
2: Or maybe you have to push them out in a certain way or a certain number of times or past a certain point. I I don't even know. But it's just, you know, it's very, very big men wearing not enough clothing as far as I'm concerned. (laughs) And one of of the interesting, there's several interesting casting trivia little things in this. But one of them is that we meet uh, Henderson. Uh, Now, as I mentioned earlier, I saw Diamonds Are Forever shortly before I saw this. Right, and the actor who plays Henderson is uh, what's his name, Charles uh, Gray. Mm-hmm. In Diamonds Are Forever, he plays Blofeld.
3: Oh my God, I, I that I didn't catch. No.
2: So I had seen Diamonds Are Forever, where he's playing Blofeld. Then I'm seeing this movie, which is two movies before Diamonds Are Forever, but I'm seeing this a couple of weeks later, and I'm thinking that's Blofeld. He's gonna betray Bond. He's a spy. Yeah, he's some sort of, you know, he's 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 a plant somehow. And then he gets killed and I'm like, but 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 how? <laughs> it just didn't make sense to me. So it's a, just just an interesting uh, casting note, just as far as other cast- interesting casting notes. I don't know if you've ever been into professional wrestling to speak of.
3: You may uh, not really no.
2: Well, you, I'm sure you've heard of Dwayne "The Rock" Johnson. Yes, uh, his I believe adopted father, or adopted grandfather, maybe. Yeah, I think, or adopted uncle. I'm not even sure which one it is. Uh, Peter Maivia, who was a professional wrestler, uh, he uh, he play, had a part in this movie as one of the uh, one of Osato's henchmen. Okay, and another one of uh, another very very small part, uh, one of Blofeld's henchmen is Bert Quoke who went on to play Cato in the uh, Pink Panther series. Ah, that's funny. So just two two little, you know, very minor roles, but just interesting uh, casting. I I can get even
3: more minor. Go ahead. The NASA guy who's on the screen in black and white while they're, uh, you know, it's closing in on the craft. He's got two scenes. Each time they try and, well, the first time they take the American capsule, and the second time where uh, it blows up. Mm-hmm. That's the guy from Superman 2 who's working with NASA, with Cliff Clavin.
2: So he's, he's been uh, typecast.
3: He, he's apparently a, a NASA professional. He's also the guy in Star Wars who asks Luke if he wants another R2 unit.
2: Oh, interesting. Uh, we meet Tanaka or Tiger who, even though we, you know, he's not Felix Leiter. He's effectively the Felix Leiter of this movie. And
3: and based on Thunderball, he's a much cooler
2: Felix Leiter. Yes. I'll give you that too. (laughs) Based on Thunderball, based on, uh, Goldfinger as well. Yeah. Yeah. And then, you know, Bond showing his, uh, Sophistication, again, you know, I, I like sake at 98.4 degrees Fahrenheit, <laughs> but he does call it sake.
3: Right. In, in lieu of his martini. Uh,
2: and I don't know about your experience with sake, but uh, mine is generally uh, when we go to hibachi restaurants and they squirt it in your mouth. uh <laughs> To see how much of it you can handle before you start saying, okay, that's enough.
3: I don't think I've ever had
2: sake in my life. It's not particularly good. It's not particularly good or bad, to be honest with you. I've had what they say is good sake, and it's a little strong. And I've had what they give you at the the hibachi places, which I'm sure is very, very cheap watered down sake. And it hardly has any taste at all. (laughs) So uh, Bond meets uh, Mr. Fisher. And he's posing as a uh, as a businessman. And Mr. Fisher is hooked up with Spectre. And as soon as they separate, he says, kill him. And I still, like, that's one of the things that, like, at the time just seemed fine. But in, in hindsight, it's like, why? Why is he, like, why is he ready to kill him so quickly? I don't really understand.
3: Well, what I like even slightly before that is, the night before Bond breaks into this guy's office and the whole place gets trashed. There's a sculpture that he smashes over the bad guy's head through walls and all kinds of stuff. And then he arrives there the next morning for this meeting with Mr. Uh, Is it, is it Osaka? Uh, Yeah. uh, Osaka. And the office, excuse me. Osato. everything is pristine just as it was, the same statue was in perfect condition. I just thought that was neat. Mm-hmm.
2: And then they, you know, they do a poor assassination attempt. Uh, when uh, I'm trying to remember what the uh, as- Asato's assistant what her name uh, was. Ms. Ms. Brandt. Miss Brandt, yeah, Ms. Helga Brandt. Uh, Another
3: attractive
2: she- redhead. Yeah. And when he when he finally when when he finally when he beds her, she's wearing a uh, like a gown. And rather than take the spaghetti straps off her shoulders and let them drop to the ground, he cuts them off. And I just thought, you yeah, know, that's probably a pretty expensive. gown. You know, what?
3: the next time you go out with your significant other and you come back, do that.
2: Cut yeah, off you, her dress and see how happy she's going to be with you. You'll find my head somewhere separated from my body. <laughs>
1: uh,
2: so, and then, then they put him, they put him in a plane and uh, try to kill him that way. And it's, it's like, you know, it, it always comes back to the. In my room, I have a gun. Why don't right, we just kill him?
3: Right. That's why it's funny because it's the Why would you go through this complicated scheme to kill him in, unless you're going to claim it was an accident, that he was killed in a plane crash, so no one will come looking into it?
2: Maybe that's it. I'm not sure.
3: But it's another redhead that he beds but doesn't come over to the side of the angels.
2: Mm hmm. That's true. Yeah, she still stays the enemy. I'm not sure what my next note is actually. Uh, <laughs> I, I mean, I could read the words without uh, any problem, but I'm not sure what I'm referencing. I wrote "Tiger's disregard allows for them to make it seem more sophisticated," and I'm not sure exactly what what, what that was with regard. It might have been his disregard for the uh, for the uh, American ways or the British ways, the Western ways. Uh, to, to make themselves seem more conv- sophisticated i'm not really sure
3: uh well i know he was very dismissive of when they bring in little nelly the helicopter like
2: the mini cop- it, you know what that's it thank you you actually told me exactly what it was. he pulls in little nelly and they and they start saying you know he's like oh this this is a, a a child's toy come take one of my things and bond is like wait 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 and then when they put it together like by having him be so dismissive of it when it was in parts, and then when they put it together, it makes it seem like it's so much more than it really is, because it really looks like a tinker toy when you look at it. Oh, absolutely. So, without your mind wanting to disprove Tanaka's thoughts, I, I think it, it's almost subliminal to make you think that it's more sophisticated and a, and a more, uh, you know, exciting piece of machinery than it is. Right.
3: Well, I remember thinking as they were having that aerial battle, and so, spoiler, James Bond comes out ahead. He's completely out of ammunition and weapons. If Spectre had sent one more helicopter, he would
2: have been done. Mhm. So we, uh, we kind of meet Blofeld inside of the fake volcano. But we don't really know that it's a fake volcano so much where it is, you know, we know what's going on, kind of. And we see Blofeld kind of the way we have in the first in two out of the first three movies where he's there. He's talking. We see him with the cat on his lap, but we don't see his face. So you just kind of assume it's going to be the same thing as what we've gotten, and we're not going to actually meet him. Right. And then we go through another scene, you know, we, we see that he's got the piranhas and is uh you know the punishment is death for failure which is kind of coolly done again and i bye 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 mrs brand i don't think piranhas are quite as efficient as what they make them look like in the movies right you know i'm not going to test this theory but if, if I were to drop someone into a pool of piranhas, I don't think it would I don't think they bubble around them like acid and, and you just see bones in a, in, a, in a minute right I think it's a much slower more probably much more painful process even though I'm sure that, the way they show it is painful but I'm sure if you did it slower it would be even more painful
3: right but I don't think you would have gotten the rate well I don't need, did they have ratings back then?
2: They did but I, I think it was G. P, G, R, and X. I think that was it.
3: Well, you weren't going to get the G. This was probably rated G.
2: Actually, at one point before it was PG, it was actually GP, which (laughs) I think was like general participation or something like that. (laughs) And then they switched it from GP to PG. Right. I don't remember exactly when that was. So we we meet the camp of ninjas – and one of the things I like about this, because it, it almost, again, it's another one of these situations where it seems to be a little cliche, but it kind of predates the martial arts boom of the 1970s. So I think right. it's a little, it, you know, it's, it's a little bit more original than you'd think from at a glance or just, at a, you know, at a quick look. Well, that's what I was going to ask you, because I, I, I wasn't sure.
3: So this predates everything.
2: Well the uh, I mean the, the I think you know the real martial arts craze started, you know, with or or peaked at least with Bruce Lee. And you know, Enter the Dragon I think was nineteen seventy five. I'm having a I'm gonna have to look that up to see for sure, but but it was later. And I think that's that's where it all peaked. So there may have been I'm sure there was some, but it definitely was not at its, you know, at its total exploitation level. Uh, Enter the Dragon 73, so that's six years after this. Right. And that's I'm, that's that's the only one that I've seen on you know multiple occasions. I've seen a couple of the movies, but that's the only one that really kind of you know, it was that was like the the uh, all time best of the martial arts uh, movies of that era. Anyway, uh, we kind of get our gadgets except for Nelly. We get our gadgets from from. Tanaka in this instead of from Q
3: did you see a pattern I'm guessing because it was the 60s and the space race was on Mm -hmm. that everything had the word rocket in it (laughs) rocket gun rocket cigarette
2: yeah that could be that could be the reasoning for that
3: let's have a rocket burger on our way over
2: so I'm gonna I'm gonna address the elephant in the room now uh when they decide that Bond has to become Japanese, <laughs> uh, can it can it be viewed without it feeling racist and uh, offensive?
3: No. No. Yeah. <laughs> The thing is, he doesn't look all that Japanese.
2: No, he really at,
3: doesn't at all. Even after they <laughs> he looks he
2: looks he looks like a, you know a Western man who's squinting with a bad haircut. <laughs> with a bad haircut. So they they turn him Japanese. Time to uh, if I was going to have a soundtrack here, there's, I know which song I'd be playing. Uh, and then he's with his I guess wife.
3: Yes, he gets married. They marry and, him up,
2: and they kill her off immediately.
3: No, 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 no. The girl that gets killed was the one he was hot for in the beginning. Oh, okay. And he wanted to marry her to do the ending no, up. We got the girl from the village all with a face out. like a pig. With a face like a pig, which we find out in Japan, pigs are beautiful.
1: Yeah,
2: but now that scene where they kill that girl.
3: With the string?
2: It's really purely by dumb luck that Bond doesn't get killed. Right. I want Bond to survive because of his ingenuity and because he's outsmarting people and he's better at things than people. I don't want it to be, you know, he had a little gas and he rolled over and that was what what saved his life. So that seems kind of cool when it happens, but, uh, you know, in hindsight, I, I... kind of wish they had done it differently
3: i mean it's a pretty complicated way Let, let's just tell the folks the assassin climbs into the rafters of the place where bond and this girl are sleeping and he lowers down a string and pours we assume a very quick acting poison down the string and the drops go into her mouth instead of bond and kills her it seems like it's a very complicated way to kill somebody
2: yeah, oh, definitely, definitely, and it, and like I said, it's it, it's he survives it because you know he's lucky.
3: And and previously to that scene, they tried to kill him with a an infiltrator when they're uh, uh, doing the program where they bang the sticks, you know, like fighting. Mm-hmm. I, don't, I don't know what it's called. And the guy breaks off like the top of his stick, and he's got a knife on the end, and Bond has to kill him. So I mean, it wasn't like they were trying to be subtle.
2: It's also not like his uh, subterfuge of having been killed fooled anyone. Right. Exactly. So uh, then we we have the helicopter dropping into the volcano, which is kind of a cool special effects thing, uh, you know. And they, they especially, you know, when he when he throws the rock into the volcano and it makes the metal clang.
3: <laughs> yes.
2: They make their way in, and now we actually meet Blofeld, who you and I have both discussed that this, when we think Blofeld, this is the visage that we get. Yes. Donald Pleasance with that scar on his face. And on the one hand, I love the fact that you have no idea how he got that scar, and it's probably best that you never know. On the other hand, I would love to hear the story. Right.
3: Right. Well, you know what? The funny thing is, when I was a kid, of course, I saw these movies out of sequence,
2: Mm -hmm.
3: and I think I had seen Diamonds Are Forever before this, and what happens in the next movie, I thought, that's how he got the scar.
2: Mm. Not only did he get the scar, but he went bald. (laughs) He was hip before it was hip. So... And he manages to throw in the uh, the movie title. Yes. You, you only, only live, live twice, Mr. twice
3: Bond. Mr. Bond. Oh my
2: God! So then, when you know when when everything's hitting the fan, uh, the ninjas come in, and that kind of I think that scene is reminiscent or very similar in its own way to the underwater scene in Thunderball. Yes. Yeah, I think it's yes. a little bit better choreographed and a little bit better directed. It's a little easier to follow the action than it was in Thunderball, but it's very similar in, you know, what we're getting. Right. And, oh, you know, then there's, one of the things I thought was interesting was, this is the price of failure, Mr. Bond, and he aims the gun at Bond. You could see in Bond's face that he thinks he's about to be shot, and then he shoots... Uh, What's his name? O- Osaka, Osato. Os- Osato, Osado. And it's like, yes. why not just shoot Bond? Again, you know, it, it's it just seems crazy to me.
3: And and his uh, his muscle, the predecessor to Jaws and the sequel to Odd Job, is just
2: not impressive compared to Odd Job. Well, *Odd Job*. I don't, I don't. Except for, except for *Jaws*, I'm not sure that any henchman has captured my imagination. Hench, uh, *Jaws* and *Odd Job*. I think those are the two that have ca- captured my imagination the most. Right. You know, I think they're they're always chasing them with trying to see who else they can come up with, but nobody else has has quite done the trick the way they have. Uh, any anything else that you want to add on this particular film?
3: Uh, I mean, the the setup of the headquarters of Spectre is really elaborate. I can't imagine what it must have, if this was real, what it would have cost in 1967 dollars to build a structure like that, where you would mm. launch helicopters, actually launch and land a rocket on its feet for reusable use. I mean, that's stuff we're trying to do now, but uh, and a massive armored control room, which they have to storm at the end. It's very impressive.
2: It definitely is. Now, from what I understand about this movie, this is the first one that really veered very far off of the actual uh, book. You know, and that other than kind of the setting for it and the title, uh, there's, there's very little similarity between the book and the uh, and the movie.
3: This is one of the books I never read, so I, I would have no idea.
2: What us it say? Uh, the screenplay was written by Ronald Dahl and loosely based on Ian Fleming's 1964 novel of the same name. It is the first James Bond film to discard. Most of Fleming's plot, using only a few characters and locations from the book as the background for an entirely new story. Hmm. So, like the
3: book was originally, they were Saki, south of uh, Tokyo.
2: Yeah, it had Burt Reynolds in a uh, Trans Am in, in, in Asia. <laughs> anyway, so this one, I'm going to just jump in and say this one uh like I said I think it's one of the first ones to, it's, it's one of the first ones that really seems to have the formula down that it's it's picking up from from goldfinger uh oh yeah I wanted to mention the, the theme song it's interesting that uh you had from Russia with Love which was kind of a slow almost love song then you had goldfinger, which was a much more bombastic you know jazzy kind of tune then they tried in thunderbolt to, it felt to me like they tried to recreate. Goldfinger but didn't do it quite as well with the Tom Jones version of Thunderball and now in this one we have Nancy Sinatra coming out and singing You Only Live Twice and I feel like it's almost trying to recreate from Russia with Love very similar stylings
3: yes I agree but I think this comes off fairly well
2: well where I thought Thunderball was not nearly as good of a theme song as Goldfinger I think this is a better theme song than from Russia with love.
3: hundred percent, hundred
2: percent agree. So overall though, I, I, you know, I I think this movie, like I said, it had the gadgets, it had special, uh, you know, just, just bonds abilities, you know, being, you know, far superior to people, uh, had, had a top notch villain. You know, like I said, I think the formula kind of hit on pretty much all cylinders on this one. Uh, I don't think it's a perfect movie, but no. I think it's it's very, very entertaining. So to me, it's a solid, uh, maybe even borderline upper level Jaws 2. I'm right there with you. For me, it was the whole uh, – look,
3: it, it, there's minor problems. There's some minor. There's some a little more than minor. But overall, it's a good, fun movie. And as a kid, it was the whole space travel aspect that sucked me in right away. So I agree. Solid to upper jaws, too.
2: If you think about it, for the people who watched this when it first, first came out, we had not yet put a man on the moon. Right. So that would make it even more fantastical for them. So it was announced, though, that this was going to be the last time that Sean Connery was going to play 007. He had enough. They reached a contract impasse, and so the next movie that you and I are going to look at is going to be *Honor* Majesty's Secret Service, which brings in George Lazenby to play Bond.
3: And as a kid, I would have went who?
2: Yeah. Well, just just by way of background, then we'll talk more about it when we cover that movie. But uh, when I went to college, uh, in as a freshman, or no, actually as a sophomore. Uh, I took a film class, and the instructor was one of the i, I don't know even know what role he had on the on the film, but he worked on uh on a majesty's secret service so mm. you know he talked about it uh and seemed to think that George Lazenby wasn't the nicest guy in the world so let's just we'll just leave it at that for now
3: yeah. Sounds good to me
2: so That'll do it for You Only Live Twice, and Dave and I will be back to look at On Her Majesty's Secret Service sometime in the next few weeks or so. Thanks for listening in. Thanks, Dave, for coming on again.
3: Always a pleasure,
2: Paul. And we will see you all in two weeks.
3: Take
1: care. Stop that astronaut. Bring him to me. Stop that astronaut. Oh. Summon the reserve astronauts. Reserve astronauts a launching pad. Immediately. Reserve astronauts a launching pad. Immediately. We coordinate with target vehicle. A new update with target vehicle has been received from computers.
3: We now have T minus seven minutes and counting.
1: You made a mistake, my friend. No astronaut would enter the capsule carrying his air conditioner. Remove his helmet. James Bond, allow me to introduce myself. I am Ernst Stavro Blofeld. They told me you were assassinated in Hong Kong. Yes, this is my second life. You only lived twice, Mr. Bond. Target vehicle passing over central Russia, approaching Mongolia. Track is as predicted. All computers. As you see, sta- I am about to inaugurate a little war. In a matter of hours, when America and Russia have annihilated each other, We shall see a new power dominating the world. Target vehicle on scope. Rick, check on target vehicle. Remove his suit and search him.